Well, good morning, Grace Church. Uh, thank you so much for the kind introduction, Mark. Um, so good to be back. Uh, last time I was here, we were outside for outdoor service. Uh, my name, that was two years ago on July 4th. Uh, so good to be back. My name is Wei Ho, if you haven't met, campus minister of, a, of a, um, our denomination's campus ministry in Manhattan. It's called RUF, and mine in particular is called RUF Gotham, if you know anything about uh, New York City. It's, it's a nickname, long-time nickname for New York City. Way before Batman, I get lots of comments about that. But, uh, but yeah, I'd um, love to talk to you afterwards. love to meet with you if you're interested or if you have college students in the city. Um, I'm, I'm, in particular, I'm at the schools of Fordham in Manhattan as well as uh, Hunter College, which is on the east side of Manhattan. I recently moved to Long Island City, though, so I feel slightly closer to you now. Um, but so good to be with you. Uh, just a little bit of my intro into this text, uh, which is the last chapter of a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Philippians. Um, he's in jail, right? He's part of the prison epistles, and he's talking about contentment, and he covers the entire range of the experiences of life, whether that be having everything or having nothing. And so would you please um, read God's word with me? This is Philippians 4, verses 10 to 13. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We're grateful for life and breath and our friends around us to engage with you this morning. Lord, would you give us faith to, that as we have sung, as we have heard, Lord, help us now to hear you speak to us in your word. Lord, would you bless our hearts and minds uh, your word, your spirit, who knows our hearts and souls and what we need and the ways that we struggle right now, whether it be in suffering or whether it be in a state of malaise as we are um, compl- uh, just are, are nonchalant and complicit in, in, in things that are happening around us, Lord. And as, Lord, we pray that you would, as the Apostle Paul here talks about the secret of contentment, Lord, as would you uh, deal with us, our hearts and souls rightly, Lord, and may your will be done in our hearts in the ways that we might struggle with unhappiness and discontentment. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start off by reading a poem to you, and uh, it's a poem called Present Tense, written by a man named Jason Lehman. It was spring. But it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth, the blossoming of nature. I was a child. But it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and respect. 
I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. To want, but not have. To have, but to be still in want. Your age might change, the seasons might change, but we've all experienced this in our own ways. We're not happy, we're discontent. We're looking for it, whatever that it might be. It may not take long to realize this either, however young you might be. Uh, This poem was written by, um, Jason when he was only 14 years old. And so he had experienced maybe as a 14-year-old enough of his own wanting but not getting, or rather getting but still wanting so much more. Or he's seen enough cranky adults complain about life and regret and, and wish for something else that he penned this poem. What is it that we are after? What would make us happy? To be still, to be at rest, and at peace with yourself without worries. What would give you security today and cause all your worries to fly away? To be content. What are the things that we are striving for in our day-to-day lives? Is it, is it career-oriented? Is it achievement? Is it, is it relational in nature, a relationship of some kind? Is it a desire for fame or influence or certain kind of platform? To name just one, I imagine not for a few of us here, our minds naturally flow to money. We think money might help with that. We think about what that kind of money would do for us. A little bit more money would do for us and our families and our kids and, and even our grandchildren. And a raise could mean that one more vacation. A better paying job could mean a bigger house, or in my case, Manhattan, a bigger apartment, and and that better neighborhood. To have all the shoes in your wardrobe that you ever wanted. (laughs) To have all your Pinterest dreams come to life. To own and do what you've always wanted. But studies have shown that uh, money and wealth do not necessarily mean more happiness in our world. In fact, there's not a very close connection at all between the two, but on the flip side, however, studies have shown that the more wealthy and prosperous a country becomes, actually the higher the depression rate per capita increases. But you knew this already, right? Um, Anybody know this chorus? I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. Uh, This is from Brooklyn, the most famous rapper, Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls. Mo Money, Mo Problems was the name of his very famous song. And tragically, he too, tragically, he, this happened to him. He was gunned down at the age of 24. The more money that he had, the more problems that he had until it ended his life. We can have all that we need and yet still be in want. Why is it this way? 
why are we so habitually unhappy to have so much and then feel like it's still not enough? We grumble, we complain, we, we envy others. We blame others for our own lack of joy. Okay, forget the th- big things. If I can just be honest with you, I'm embarrassed how easy it is for something to just ruin my day, to knock me off kilter, to disturb that precious inner equilibrium I so hard, I work so hard to get. It's me walking where I used to live in Midtown Manhattan and wondering why is this person walking so slow in front of me? Or is it for some of you, maybe it's, it's where you're driving. Uh, it's every time I walk outside without an umbrella, uh, I'm walking the, the streets of Manhattan and raindrops start to fall. And I am at least a good 10 minute walk away from the nearest train station. It's me dashing to that station, flying down the stairs, just in time to see the train doors close, and I'm not gonna get any sympathy today from the train conductor. It's my barely a year old phone. Why is it already so slow? <laughs> yes, I, I did restart it. It's when I see that my Amazon Prime order is one day late. Why, why do I bother getting Amazon Prime if it's not on time? Why is it so hard to be content? And is it even possible? To that, Paul says, it is possible. But there's a secret to it, you see. Paul is a Christian, he's a follower, he's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wrote this letter to a group of people living in the ancient city of Philippi while he was in jail for telling people about the secret. And mind you, conditions back then, this was not a fancy jail like the ones we have in this country today, where you can expect warm clothing and protection and food. Back then, in the prison that Paul was in, if your friends did not visit you and bring you food and other needs, you might starve and die. And so in the context in which Paul writes this letter, he begins a section on contentment. Uh, It's about, here's a context. So Paul's friends took a while to get him aid that he needed. And eventually they did in the form of their friend, whose name is Epaphroditus. You can read about this in the earlier chapters of Philippians. But in the process of getting aid to Paul, Epaphroditus almost died. And so Paul wants them to know a couple of things. One, thank you so much for the help you sent. Two, our friend is healthy now and is about to, I'm about to send him back to you. But then doing, in doing so, Paul says some very amazing things about contentment. And it's especially amazing if you kind of take stock of what's happening to him right now, that he's writing this, suffering greatly for Jesus while in prison. And he says, I'm content. I'm grateful for your gift, but whatever situation I'm in, I've learned to be content. Whether I have everything I need here or lack everything in plenty or in want, I've learned to be content. So I want to know this, and I hope you would too. How does he do that? Uh, is he just a guy with like no emotion, no, no pain? What kind of Jedi mind tricks is Paul playing? Um, is he like, I don't know if you know this, there's a meme of a dog standing in a, in, a, in a room and there's fire all around him and the quote says, this is fine. <laughs> is, that, is that Paul? No, actually Paul is, is being honest. He says, I'm really content. 
And so here in today's um, passage, I want us to see at least three things. Or that Paul teaches us three things about true contentment and that it's possible, that make it possible. One, contentment is learned. Two, contentment is for all seasons in whatever situation or circumstance. And then three, there is a secret to that contentment. First, again, first, contentment is learned. Second, is possible in all seasons. And third, there is a secret to that contentment. Let's look at the first. Um, I was talking to Mark and so happy to learn of all the children in this church and the youth. And, and so for many of you that are parents, you, had a child, you have a child that, uh, that le- at some point in his, his or her life learned to walk and then to talk. And then before you know it, they learn how to drive. And then they're off to college, right? Um, like all the important things in life that must be learned, Paul says contentment is learned. It's back to school. Some of you might want to hear that. No, it's summer break. I, I, may, I know it makes some of you less excited, but I hope you feel at least somewhat hopeful in hearing this, that if you struggle with being content like I do, uh, you can learn this. You can grow in it. It's like finding out there's that YouTube video for that do-a-home project that you're trying to do. We know this because he says this a few times in this passage. He says, I've learned, I know how, I know how, and then he says, I learned. We can't just download this into our brains and then boom, poof, it's done. It means Paul had to practice this. Uh, It's like the instinctive nature that a doctor has when he or she sees you and and he gets a right diagnosis because he or she has seen this combination of symptoms many times. It's like going to the gym and shooting that basketball hundreds of times just to get the muscle memory down pat. We face all these situations in life and we don't know how our faith will fare until it happens. There's some of you that are in college right now and you're facing new questions, new challenges to your faith that you've never faced before. And if that's you, I'm so glad that you are here or you're back here this summer wrestling with your questions and your doubts. It's, uh, it's facing difficulties and, and, and temptations in different parts of our lives, in different parts of our own hearts, whether it be in our relationships or finances, in our own self, sense of self-worth. It's, it's fighting to be content and to follow and obey God. It's learning certain things about our own selves, how we tick, where we struggle, where, where we struggle to believe in God's word or where we where we very, very much tempted to believe in those lies. Maybe we're easily discontent because we play the comparison game, right? We're happy, we've made it, whatever the mating it, making it means. And then you look over to the other side and you see this friend of yours or somebody else and they're just having, seems like they're having so much, so much uh, better time than you and... And whatever that is, and we get jealous, whether that's being more popular, more beautiful, more famous, whether they're stronger, smarter, faster, more wealthy. Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? In the Disney movie Snow White, uh, the queen was fine, so long as the magic mirror said, you, of course, you, you're the most fairest of them all. 
But then one day the mayor said, nope. I found someone more beautiful, Snow White. And then the queen's heart goes to a dark place. And maybe Snow White shouldn't be around anymore, like on planet Earth. And she sends men out to kill her and even disguise herself as an old woman to give her a poisoned apple. It's just a witcher appetite for the live action. Snow White coming soon. Um, have you learned anything about yourself whenever someone or something got in the way of something that you really wanted? Your bright spirit suddenly becomes a bit more, grows a bit more dark. Or maybe resort to using people, using others made in the image of God to get what we want. What about blame, blaming others? You ask yourself, whose fault is it that I'm not happy? Is it my spouse? Is it my boyfriend or girlfriend or lack thereof? Is it my, is it my boss? Is it my children, my parents, my friends, my coworkers? Is it myself? Is it this rotten world? It, it takes practice to spot that lie and to see the temptation, the sense of resentment welling up in us and to see God, seek God's help for contentment. And there's a hymn I, I want to share with you in its entirety um, because there's a story that just develops as we go through this hymn. So I want you to listen with me. It's called, I Ask the Lord That I Might Grow. And this is someone who asked God to help him grow in faith and contentment. You just follow with me. I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. T'was he who taught me thus to pray. So he's praying for it, right? And he, I trust, has answered prayer, but has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. I hope that in some favorite hour, at once he answer my requests and by his love's constraining power subdue my sins and give me rest. Not what he expected, though. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more with his own hand he seemed intent to aggravate my woe, cross all the fair designs I schemed, blasted my gourds and laid me low. Lord, why is this, I trembling cried? Wilt thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayst find that all in me. Have you learned that more notoriety, better stuff, better spouse, better job, better whatever, I want this, and I'd love to have this, and I want this, what if that's keeping us from being happy and content? What might God be teaching us right now in our hearts and about contentment? So contentment is learned, but not, not just as true as possible. It's actually also true because one can be content whatever the situation and circumstances, what Paul says, right? And everything and nothing. It grows in all seasons. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Plenty or in hunger, uh, in abundance or need, he says, I can be content. 
it, it can be easy to think that content, this contentment is, is around when we're suffering or something is taken away from us, but it's just half of that. It's also very easy to be discontent when we have it all. As I mentioned before, for so many of us, we have all we need, and yet we feel like it's still not enough. Two semesters ago, uh, with college students in New York, I was studying the Book of Judges. And if you know anything about the Book of Judges, it goes in cycles. So here's just some of that. Um, the, the people of Israel, they forget, they forget about God. God sends calamity and hardship upon them. They cry out to him. God sends a deliverer, which is in that book, a form of a judge. And then... Uh, they, and then he delivers them, but then they forget about God and it starts again. So let me just read a verse that kind of encapsulates some of that for us. Judges 3, 7, just a taste of what you see in this book. The people of Israel forgot their God. Sorry, this is Judges 3, 7. And the people of Israel forgot their God. They sinned against him and worshiped idols of Baal and Asherah. We can forget about God in good times as well as bad. Um, we get prideful. Did I really need God in that? I, I did that. We start to forget him. And so in thinking about contentment, whether in abundance or in need, um, I love to, you know, this was read earlier, but Proverbs 30, uh, 7 to 9, and you could read the whole thing uh, if you like, but just I'm going to focus on 7 to 9. He says, two things I ask of you, Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. It's saying, Give me enough, Lord. Keep me from sin. Help me to be content. So in any and every circumstance, whether in plenty or in hunger, abundance or need, true contentment is something that grows, it can, can grow in all seasons. So then if you kind of turn that around then, it helps us to spot the counterfeits, doesn't it? The fakes. If we say to ourselves, I will be happy if, or I will be content so long as, so-and-so is true or happens, then we have to ask ourselves, it may or may not be true contentment. Or another way, maybe another way of saying getting at this is, can you handle failure? Or would it end you? Can you handle success? Or actually coming to that would turn you to something of a monster? We've said that contentment is not just automatic free download, but it's learned, it takes practice. We've seen how contentment is for all seasons. It can blossom and bloom in all seasons in whatever situation or circumstance. But what is Paul's secret? What makes it all work? If my desires just seem unsatiable, and like that Rolling Stones song, I just can't get no satisfaction, that's found in that last verse in our passage today. I can do all things through him, that's Jesus, who strengthens me. I can do all things through him 
who strengthens me. Some of you might be familiar with this verse. You've seen it used in different places or sometimes misused, unfortunately, most often in sports. Um, I'm like what? I'm like 5'9 on a very good day. And uh, I don't care how many times I quote this verse or what kind of shoes I buy or how much I train. I'm, at this age, I'm not making it to the NBA. Uh, I'm not going to jump high enough ever to dunk that basketball through that regulation hoop. Paul is saying in the midst of suffering, talking about learning contentment, that that's the, the context in which he says that. But there's something very different in what he says here about contentment. You see, um, he wrote this in the midst of first century Greek Stoicism. That was the water Paul swam in and his contemporaries. And contentment was one of the highest, most noble virtues of Greek Stoicism. Um, but their contentment was a little bit different. It was, not, it was a contentment of indifference, of being self-sufficient, of not needing anything or anyone or help from anywhere. Don't hurt, don't feel, don't let things affect you. It was about being self-sufficient, finding that thing, whatever that was, something in you, inside of you, that made you content, something somewhere inside. But what Paul is speaking here is amazing what he says. When he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's otherworldly what Paul says about contentment in his context because it's not about, found, it's not about finding that in you, that strength, that contentment. It has to be rooted and grounded in somewhere else, in, in some someone else, and not just anyone or any relationship, it's found in Christ. And so Paul could say, I can be content. I can persevere no matter what happens, not in my external circumstances, or whether your aid package got to me today, or whether I get what I want in life. My contentment is not because I'm of myself so self-sufficient, but my Jesus is sufficient. Uh, he gives me Strength. He is enough. And so after learning and knowing, Paul says, I can do such things. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Because he died and he conquered death by being raised from the dead for, for our sinful discontentment and our grumbling and our complaining and our, our blaming and our mistreatment of others and our misadventures of seeking happiness. And he is alive forever. He cannot die. And so my heart, in which our God has put eternity into, has something to hold on to that's eternal and certain. Or rather, he holds on to me. And he is a solid rock and a firm foundation of who I am, and all that I do, my meaning, my purpose, my value, my worth and identity. He is an anchor for my soul and its joy, whose love for me is better than life and is stronger than death, and which of all the world's greatest love stories points to the intimacy and the love and which he has for you and I and his church, his bride. And so whether we have but still want, 
or whether we want or we cannot have. The secret of contentment is found in Christ and where he gives himself to us. And the volume of the dial turns lower, lower, and lower of our nagging wants. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus promises that if you turn to him, leaning upon him, resting upon him, falling upon him, he promises to be your strength. Strength enough for today. Strength enough for tomorrow and all the troubles that it brings. Strength like no other that can bear of all life's joys and sorrows and everything in between. And then all the other things that we've ever wanted. A better job. Jobs will, they will come and they will go. But you know what it will be at the end? It will be a job. Not the crux of your significance. Money will just be money, but it won't control you. Your significant other, a wonderful yet broken and perfect person like you that Jesus is helping you grow in sanctification that you'll learn to enjoy. Fulton Sheen once said, you must remember to love people and use things rather than to love things and use people. Paul understood that, and he was content because of the strength that he found in his Lord. That's why he could say in verse 10 and 11, I rejoice of your concern for me. He's basically saying, I'm not after you. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful, but I'm not after you for your stuff. I want you. I want to see you grow in faith and love and, and every grace. And so if we're content, in a similar way, we'll stop using people. Transactional relationships will start to learn to, to love others, and, and money will just be a great tool that God gives us to provide for ourselves and give away for the sake of others and his kingdom. We might actually start to find even greater joy in our friendships and relationships. That's a secret. We have to learn it. We have to put it into practice Paul learned the secret in shackles and chains. Where will you and I learn the secret? When that piece of mail comes and is addressed to Mr. and Mrs., but that other is not there? When you're sitting in that conference room, when you are just, you know, instinct, you can scroll through Zillow today or Instagram, I pray that you would learn it and would share that secret widely and I say this as even as a prayer now, that I will hear stories and testimonies of that from this church. And so come what may, whether abundance or need, plenty or want, sickness or unhealth, for richer or poor that you said in your wedding vows, he has made you his and will not lose you, but will find you. And therefore we can be content. We can say like with that hymn, it is well with my soul. Can you say that to yourself? Though my body is decaying, my beauty is fading, though Satan attacks, 
Though all kinds or manners of trials come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. And therefore, since that is true, and Christ is true, and he is mine, it is well. It is well. It is indeed well with my soul. That right there, that peace, Lord, that in this moment I am content with you and what you've given me. No one's born with that. No one's born with that. It's learned in the school of suffering and trials and sorrow and seeing our idols disappoint us, casting them down at Jesus' feet. And Paul has given us a secret today. It's found in Jesus. It's found in the gospel. And we have a very good teacher, the very best of tutors, if we will trust and listen to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for hearing this secret this morning of something that we all want and struggle with. We might always think about contentment, Lord, but you've, you've designed us and you've made us Eternity in our hearts, Lord, to want joy and happiness. And so many, for so many of us, we're so unhappy and discontent, Lord, and we don't know what to do with this life, and we, we seek after all different things, seeking to fill it, and we can't find that. We thank you for our Lord Jesus, who, who paid the price for our sins on the cross to save us from our sins, for our forgiveness and and you've given us your word, Lord, for our own joy to be found in you. Lord, we, we pray that you would help us to be happy and holy in Jesus. Lord, help us. Meet us where we are right now. And like Paul, would you help us to learn to be content and for all the things that you have given us. And at first and foremost, you are Lord Jesus, right in the center of our hearts. Alive forever and cannot die. And so with that, my happiness, my security, my peace, my joy will live forever in you, Lord. Help us to find that today and to learn the secret and to put that in practice by the help of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.